This is Mary Duzma. This is Nick Wendemuller. This is Taylor Stykstra. This is Jacob Bookwater. And you're listening to HC Medium Talk. What I learned from watching these monks for a whole week was that sometimes going through the motions is exactly what you need to do. Welcome back to the podcast. Mr. Russ here with you and our co-host... Cam Houck. Cam Houck. Our special guest today is Ellie Newsma. Ellie, start off by telling us a little bit about what is your role here at the school in case people in our audience don't know what exactly do you do? Absolutely. So I teach English and a couple other things around school, speech and debate, drama classes, and then I am also the theater director. So I do all of the plays and the forensics team after school. Awesome. That's a lot of work, but it's some awesome stuff. It is, but I love it. So it makes it worth it. (laughs) Hey, can you give us a little vocal warm up here for oh, us. You, you guys do that that sort of thing, I think, right? Oh, I think you should interview Mrs. Blum for that. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll have to put that <laughs> in our I notes. I guess tongue twisters, I have that. Oh, okay. Get, we'll, we'll, we'll be your, your pupils here. Okay, yeah. we can warm up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the she- seashore. So close. No, no, he wasn't. Now you have to see how many times you can say it fast. Cam, let's, I, see, let's hear it. I only have that one. She sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> seashell, shell, 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 shell. You have a C in the class. <laughs> Valid right attempt. <laughs> Valid attempt. Okay, so you teach English and you also direct the theater, speech and debate. Yep. Um, those are some of the ways you're known around here. I'd love, and I'd be really interested in hearing a little bit of kind of your backstory, how you got here, who you are. You went to school here. You graduated from Holland Christian. Is that right? I did. So tell us a little bit about that experience as a student and then transitioning now being back as a teacher. Yeah, so it's a little confusing because I did go to high school here, but my family moved here when I was a freshman in high school, and it was about two weeks into school. So that was really awkward (laughs) timing. Um, And I have two younger sisters, too, so we all were in different buildings. I was at the high school. Morgan was at the middle school and Anna was at Pine Ridge. So that was a whole chaotic thing. Hmm. But um, yeah, so I started here freshman year and then, um, yeah, it wasn't a, it honestly wasn't a great start. I had a horrible first day here. Oh, no, wait, so Um, what year were you, your first day? I was a freshman. Freshman. Yeah, but it was two weeks in. So everyone kind of just assumed (laughs) I was from the other middle school. It was just very weird. (laughs) And so, I mean, it was okay, but like I didn't have any of my books and then I went to chapel and someone was sitting in my assigned seat and I it was right in the middle of the middle section and so I walked in and I was like I think you're in my seat and then they were like no it's my seat and then I said okay (laughs) (laughs) and you know that first year was hard but I can so vividly remember the first things I got invited to outside of school um Mm. Yeah, I mean, the first sleepover the summer after that freshman year and then the first um, football game I got invited to. I I remember all those things so specifically. Hmm. Um, Isn't it incredible how small a thing that might seem, right, to invite somebody (laughs) to something, and yet it's a vivid memory. We're talking, Mm. you know, 12 years ago or so, maybe 15 years ago. And yet those moments are like, man, so I'm ingrained. Not yeah. Yeah. And I I'm not grateful I had to go through those, but I, I do think it's been a really good 
thing to prepare me as a teacher because yeah. when, when I've had new students transfer in, the first thing I think is I have to get you your books for all oh, your classes yeah. because that was so hard. And I have to um, encourage other students to just invite you to go do something hmm. because I didn't have that for a year. Hmm. People were so mm-hmm. nice in class, but nothing outside of school. And that was really hard. <laughs> Honestly, that is so, I think that's such an important experience that just knowing you as a teacher, your sensitivity towards students, your attention towards students, and now realizing a lot of that has probably come from being on the other end of it. Totally. <laughs> that move to Michigan my freshman year was definitely the hardest. And I think it was just magnified too that my dad had to come later because he was wrapping things up at my our old church. He's a pastor in Colorado. And so we were just here with my mom for about two months as we settled in. Um, hmm. And all of us kind of had our own way of dealing with that. And I've typically, I've, I've always prided myself on being a really optimistic person. And I don't think that's, it's a fake optimism. Like I really mm. think that's how I'm built and how, who I am. But that's the one year of my life that I just remember. I don't think I was like, I don't think I would have been diagnosed as having depression, but it was a really hard year. And I think all of us, it was also just magnified because everyone in my family was feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we just got home and I just remember so many nights just, you know, all crying together (laughs) about how hard that move was. And I mean, I'm so glad we're here. And once we got past the first year, it was good. But So now you're back as a teacher. Talk to me, are there any, any kind of moments from that coming here as a freshman till now, yep. big moments that led you to say, I want to I want to be a teacher, yeah. and specifically English. Uh, oh, so I mean, I've, I've always been drawn to jobs that had leadership as a part of them, and I always have loved school, and so teaching seemed pretty like a natural fit from the beginning. But I think one thing that really pushed me that direction, I mean, people always say this, but there are always teachers and mentors that push you in a certain direction, mm-hmm. and I... It's so funny that I still have this, but I actually have in front of me this note <laughs> that Mr. Hiskus wrote me my uh, senior year of high school. Yes. Wow. And I won't bore you with the whole thing, but it's just, I think he gave it to me one of my last days of school here in a book of Shakespeare that he had had sitting out in his room. It, it, one of the things he said, let's see if I can find it. He said, um, of all my students over the years, who want to pursue teaching English in high school, you have all stand out as the most natural teacher and leader I've ever known. <laughs> and wow. whew, I like almost start crying as <laughs> yeah. I read that because, I mean, I just, and then, I mean, of course, he continues in typical Mr. Hiskus fashion and says, no, that doesn't mean you have to pursue teaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was just such a encouragement and a push in that direction of you should pursue this. And when I got to college and started those English education classes, it was just like, yep, this is it. And so then, cool. I mean, magnified even more by some jobs I took in college. I worked at Camp Roger for a while and working with kids and in a, it's a Christian setting too. That was also just like, wow, I, yep, this hmm. is it. I also met my husband at Camp Roger. So hey, I mean, bonus, shout out to but. David. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think those are the biggest things that pushed me into teaching. Yeah. And then it was just really providential that my senior year at Calvin, I was, you know, starting to look for a job. This job opened up and it was a joint 
theater director and teaching mm, position. Mm. And my husband, Dave, was already teaching at one of the elementary schools here. And so it was just, I mean, I don't have another word for it other than providential because yeah. my dream job opened up the year I graduated in a in the same district where Dave was already teaching. So How cool. it was really incredible. <laughs> you know, thinking about that note from Hiscus, I just, that's kind of been a theme, I'd say, Cam, in people we've interviewed. Every single person has had a story of words that were spoken yeah. to them <laughs> that totally altered their, their trajectory mm-hmm. of their life, which is just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's made me reflect on the, on the weight of words, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And usually they're good. Like, I mean, I can think about a few times, one time in particular where, I mean, it wasn't about pushing me into a career, but where words just have stuck with me. Um, this is so silly, but I teach this in communications too. Um, just, we call it weighty words. Like there are, there are words <laughs> that stick for good or for bad and one negative one. Um, in high school, I was hanging out at a friend's house and her younger brother came in at one point and I had never met him before. And she was trying to explain to him who I was and he'd seen me on stage. So she was trying to say, oh, she was that character. And then he goes, oh, the one with the big nose. <laughs> and like in the moment I was like, oh, it's fine. You're a kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I I hadn't never really like seriously struggled with self-image before Mm. that but for about a year or more every time I looked in the mirror that was the only thing I saw Uh, and I still and I still have moments like that and I it's not something I think about all the time but that is the like one the physical feature that I always go back to and it's because of that kid who said that that one time (laughs) and it's I know it shouldn't matter that much but yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, it, it does. I mean, I think yeah. God has made us in such a yeah. way that our words matter in the lives of, I mean, we, our words do stuff. That's just like a simple yeah. phrase I like to repeat, but our words do stuff to the people around us. I remember finishing the Harry Potter books when I was a kid and like grabbing a toothbrush and pretending I was like, you know, casting <laughs> yeah. stuff like that because I just wanted to be in a story in which like I had influence where, where like what I did mattered. And I think now as an adult, I look back and realize, like, that's actually the reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our words, we're constantly doing things. Oh, is it? I think in Proverbs 15 says the tongue has the power of life and death. Yeah. And I actually, that I use that when we talk about words and communications, hmm. that verse exactly. Um, just as a be aware <laughs> of what you're saying, but also know that, yeah, words can be so uplifting too if yeah, we can use yeah. them in that direction. Ellie, as I think about you and your influence and your impact in this place on students, you're somebody who models, I think even without explicitly saying it all the time, you're somebody who models a love for Jesus. And I just want to ask, are there moments in your story, in your faith walk, that stand out as, as, as kind of key moments for you as you've grown in your faith through the years? Yeah, Um yeah, for sure. So I think one that comes to mind right away is, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. I took a, so there's interim at Calvin. So it's like you take one class for all of January and it's an oh, intensive right. three or four yeah. week thing. And 
your freshman year, you have to take this thing called DCM, which is discovering the Christian mind. I know. Very exciting. And I looked at the list and none of them seemed super interesting. So, but except one, and it was a monastic life class. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. What was it that interested you about? I don't know. I, well, okay. So my mom has done some silent retreats before, and I always thought that was such a cool idea. And at least in high school, I was not a silent person. <laughs> like, I really liked to talk. And so it was always fascinating to me. And I was just curious. I was like, yeah. I wonder if I could do that. And so I signed up, and the first two weeks were in class. And then the next week was at a monastery in Kentucky, yes. the Abbey of Gethsemane, which I think is where Thomas Merton did some of his writing. Yeah, I think you're right. Writing and where he lived for a while. So I went to this monastery, and... It was quite the experience in a lot of ways. Um, We all had our own room, and it was a completely silent retreat. You weren't allowed to talk at all on the grounds or in the buildings. You could, if you went for a walk with a friend out along the grounds, you could talk. But, yeah, I mean, you wake up, and we were very very free to do what we wanted to do every day. It was just a week of on your own at a monastery. Wow. And so you're there with all your classmates, but— nothing's structured totally really different interactions totally different just, so did you eat with other people in silence <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, yes yeah, so you're awesome. all yeah, just sitting I, in a big uh, room and sometimes they would have prayers playing over the okay. of a, a speaker or music but yeah silent meals I did have there was one girl who I met on the trip that I really connected with and from <laughs> beforehand <silence. laughs> from beforehand um it's but the kind eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and we we ended up going on a couple like a walk once a day okay. where we could kind of process what we'd been yes. learning that day and that was really helpful to have a little outlet but it was so strange. I'd come to those conversations and be like, so this morning I read the book of Genesis. Oh, yeah. And, and it's like, entirely the right? whole thing. <laughs> and just also in one, in one of the days, we, it was totally optional. We could go through the, the whole prayer schedule um, with all the different services. And it's every three hours-ish, yeah, maybe two or three hours, that there's a service. And the first one's at 3 a.m. And the last one's at 8 p.m., and they sleep between those two, but the first service is at 3 a.m. Did so you participate? I did. There was one day where I did all of them. And yes. so I set my alarm, I got up, and went to the chapel. It's like dark out still. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they do their whole service, and there's another one at 5.30 and goes throughout the whole day. Wow. Um, and I think the biggest, my biggest takeaway, other than learning that silence is really important mm-hmm. <laughs> part of faith and listening and all those things. But I'd always heard, don't just go through the motions. And I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good saying. I, it, you don't want to just go through the motions, not thinking about it. But what I learned from watching these monks for a whole week was that sometimes going through the motions and doing the tradition of it, it doesn't, I don't know, I, I, I've always felt pressure to have emotional reactions to things mm-hmm. in church. And if I didn't have an emotional reaction, then it's not working. Yeah. Right? Or I'm not learning what I'm supposed to be learning. But it was so good to be in the practice of it and know that yeah. sometimes going through the practice is 
what builds the faith and what I don't have to feel something really strongly every time. And so hmm. that was a, like an interesting contradiction of like, don't just go through the motions, but also sometimes going through the motions is exactly what you need to do. And that was a really good thing to learn too. That's so cool. I used to teach a church history course that we kind of went through the history of Christian practice. And it is so interesting that there's some that seem so foreign to my experience as a Christian in the 21st century. And a lot of those, like silence and solitude, have been, have like really given me a, a new perspective on this relationship I have with the living God. And, and yeah, that, that's really cool that you had that experience. How, mm-hmm. how awesome. Yeah. And I don't know, at least in my growing up experience, it was always, Jesus is my friend. Like, and that's a yeah, great yeah. image. That's so good. But I've never experienced like the holiness of God yeah, and the, yeah. Amen. the beauty of that part of him too, mm. until that trip. So, so cool. Yeah, it was really, really neat. So you mentioned another one earlier about a dance class <laughs> at Calvin. So, so yeah. earlier I asked yeah. Ellie about, you know, we kind of were going over some of these things. And the two moments that stood out to her were, were the trip to the monastery. And the second was a, da- a dance class yeah. she took at Calvin. So I've okay. been waiting to hear this. So I am not a dancer. We'll just start wow. with that. Like I can hold my own if I'm given choreography, but this is not my gift. Okay. Was and, it a particular style of Oh dance yeah. Just... It was called spiritual dance. Spiritual and I was wow. like, what is this going to be? And I needed one more dance credit to grad or not dance. I needed one more gym credit to graduate. Okay. And it counts for gym credit. It does. It does. So I had already done Nordic walking. (laughs) Cam, go to Kelvin, man. I'd go there just for that class. You just walk. It's great. Nordic, but... Oh, I think we were supposed to. It's with the poles. Oh, oh, oh. But they didn't have the poles, so it was (laughs) literally just a walking class. Oh, man. (laughs) Yep. And then... should offer that here. I could (laughs) teach that. Yeah, I'm a great walker. We have lifetime fitness. (laughs) Is it like that? I think they they Uh, offer like hikes on one of the units. Yeah. So what was this dance so, class okay, that yeah. impacted so I, your, your faith? Yes. So I signed up. I was very skeptical. <laughs> and No way. I know. You would never guess. You were skeptical of spiritual dancing? Yes, I was. Hey, now, don't, no- but, don't knock it till you try it, Cam. Oh, yeah. Don't knock it because it ended up being awesome. I got there, and I it was my final semester of school, and I was so stressed because I was getting married in a few weeks. I was, well, at the end of the semester, I was like moving out of my college house. I was finishing my honors thesis. It was like all of these things. I don't think I've ever had a busier time in my life than that semester. And yet I had this spiritual dance class in the middle of that semester. And I thought it was going to be so dumb, but the... I guess I'd never used my body to worship before, really. Mm. I, had, I don't think I'd ever even raised my hands in church up until that point. Mm. And the final assessment was to pick a song, either it could be a Christian song or just an instrumental, and make our own dance to it. Oh, wow. And I was oh, like, pressure. this is my worst nightmare. I can't come up with this stuff. And... But in the process of doing this dance, it was so meaningful. Hmm. Um, I picked the song, um, oh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the one that's like, so let go of my soul and trust in him. Oh, it's It Is Well, It Is Well by Bethel. Give us a little bit, Cam. I, I can't think of. Let go my soul and trust in him. 
Yeah. I don't know the next oh, wow. line. Yeah, definitely Have we sang that one? Yeah, it's a, I, it, I it's been a while. We used to. Yeah. And I found an instrumental version of it. And it would just, it repeats it as well. It is well over and I over. And it builds. It starts really gentle, but it builds to this almost like, not yelling, but like, it's well. It's well. I can say that even if I don't feel that it's well right now. And so I, I, wrote, I did my whole dance and then I went to perform it and we got to do it twice. We were supposed to do it once and then explain it to the group why we did what we did and then mm-hmm. do it again. And so I did it the first time and just cried oh. through the whole performance. And like I'm the oldest person in this class. Like everybody else is like a freshman or sophomore. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm getting married and, <laughs> and I'm writing my honors thesis. And I'm really stressed. <laughs> <laughs> but it is well. And but it is well. And then they all came up and gave me a big the whole group <laughs> hugged me the at the group. same time. And then I had to perform the dance again. <laughs> Uh, and right. the second time through, though, like I just remember smiling, like and crying through the whole thing, and just use like, and it, the only place, the only way I would have gotten to that point is if my whole body were physically doing it. And I, yeah, I just, I had never done that before, and it makes me want to do things like that now. Hmm. And I don't feel like I necessarily have a space to, except if I'm like by myself in my house, <laughs> but. I wish that were more a thing because you, it was huge for me. What you but. just described is such a picture to me, of like what I think of when I think of education. <laughs> so there was an opportunity to do something that was outside your comfort zone. Mm. Yep. It required something of you. You had to take ownership, create your own mm-hmm. dance. And then that end, I can just see you just weeping <laughs> and being surrounded by these classmates. Yeah. That is so cool. And I just was like, well... God sure showed me because I went into this with such a bad attitude and I did not think it was, I thought it was going to be so dumb, but yeah. So when I think about that experience, the dance experience, it's, it's right up there with the monastery visit of impactful moments. Like I've done mission trips, I've done church for my whole life, youth group, but those two things. And now that I think about it, they were two things that I didn't go into with high expectations that ended up being just absolutely life-changing. <laughs> wow. So, so maybe uh, we'll listen to, someone will listen to this and decide to make a spiritual dance class they at Holland Christian. Hey, be very cool. Or you for take a it. communications final, you can make everybody <laughs> communicate, communicate through, dance. through dance. I I mean, I yeah. bet my students would love that. I'm, I'm sure they I would. I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> <laughs> so you teach English here. Uh, what are some stories, books, and things that may have shaped you or some theses for your life? Ooh, theses for theses. your life. What does that that's, even mean? Like that's cool. wor- words to live by. Or like guiding. It, or guiding, yeah, guiding, guiding stories. Statements or whatever. Yeah. Cam, about three-fourths through every interview, Cam has some like insightful thing that he yeah, says. Yeah, so we're I all going to use that now. It. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> oh, there's oh. more. Just wait. There's more. Yeah. I'm very excited. No, um, so stories, let's see. I <laughs> I was a weird middle schooler. We'll just start with that. And I was obsessed with Stargirl by Jerry Spinelli. 
Are you familiar with that? I feel like I've, I, no, I don't, I, is there a cover with like a star on a Oh yeah, star Isn't on a there no head. words on the cover? No words, yep. That's mm-hmm. right, yeah. yeah, no, I have seen that. Yeah, so it's and based, star it's girl. about this, <laughs> yeah, it's about this girl named Star Girl, that's what she goes by. She hmm. shows up to a high school and she's super weird, but she totally changes the atmosphere of the school in a positive way huh. because she's so kind and herself and whatever. And I was like, I'm going to be Star Girl. Yeah. And so she did all kinds of weird things, like walking in the desert at sunset and it takes place in Arizona so less weird and so I started doing these sunset bike rides (laughs) by myself in middle school (laughs) and this is when we lived in Colorado in like western Colorado where it is Mm deserty so I was just I remember biking at night in the summer and just being like I'm like star girl and (laughs) oh yeah so my sisters still make fun of me for that now um so that's like the earliest one, but then ugh, I love Anne of Green Gables and um, inspired by her zest for life. Um, I love Les Mis. I mean, oh, yeah. theater director obviously have to love Les Mis, but I finally sat down and read the whole thousand oh, page nice. book, Victor right? Hugo, yeah. Yep, the whole thing two years ago, and it's just such a powerful story. So, Ellie, little pressure here. Last week we interviewed. Miss O'Brien, Julie O'Brien. Okay. And we asked her what she's been learning about, some things she's been wondering or thinking mm. about. And her answer, Cam, do you remember it? She was learning about learning metacognition. Yeah. Metacognition. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Cam I and I looked that, that up. Yeah. No, in the dictionary I, afterward. I took a class already. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, Cam he's really smart. Mr. Russ, Mr. Russ had to look it up because <laughs> he was a little confused. But Mrs. O'Brien and I, we knew what was going on. Uh, right, right. So how about for you? What's something you're oh, learning man. right now? Something you're kind of wondering about? Um, I think my the skill that I'm trying to work on this year is listening. I I really want to be a good listener. And I find mm. myself too often, you know, thinking about what I'm going to say next in a conversation. Yeah. And that's mm. not fair to the person I'm talking to. So I want to be a good listener. But I guess academically, I'm in a class right now at GVSU and – well, the homework is a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I do love the accountability of having to read a certain thing each week, mm. and I'm I have a great class of people that I'm with, and we're we're learning about all these different literary theories and how to approach texts in different ways, and it's it's really it's it's very heady, but it's helping me wrap my mind around different ways to look at things and what I think the purpose of literature is mm. and mm why it's important and that's those are really good things to be thinking about what do you think the purpose of literature is (laughs) is there kind of one overarching purpose or are there kind of we're only a few weeks in so wait till the end of the game yeah that's the thing she's learning but if i had to answer now i would say something about developing empathy in us to push us towards action to actually Hmm. make a difference so yeah i think that was a lot of english too right there (laughs) mr hiskus yeah, I mean, is it? Oh, good. When you read a story, you're experiencing that person's yeah. life, right? I mean, totally. So to to be doing that without empathy, you're not engaged in the story or in the right. life of the character. So that I makes think that's sense. why I like directing theater too, because oh, yeah. it's just it's embodying a character. Like yes. you have oh, to step cool. into their shoes, and it's fun for me directing because I'm not actually you know on stage doing that, but. I'm helping ask those questions to get people to that yeah. point. Yes, and it's so that. fun to watch people, students, you know, see those 
try to be those different people from different places yeah. or different times and try to understand them. As so. somebody in the audience, it is always just so, I mean, jaw-dropping, <laughs> was it last semester, Jacob Hookwater oh, in yeah. Much Ado About Nothing? <laughs> Yeah. That, that where he came out, and I'm just like, wow, because I've had Jacob in class. So chill. Yeah, so chill, <laughs> but he just like owned mm -hmm. this. I mean, it yeah. wasn't even Jacob in that moment. And as a teacher, I think those have been some of my favorite moments is when I get to see a student in a context where like they really thrive, mm -hmm. that I have, you know, seen them and saying like, oh, wow, I don't actually know them. Like yeah. there's more to that person than what I've seen and experienced in class. And that, that's just so cool. Yeah. A lot of times I'll watch the play and then, especially like earlier years in high school and I didn't know everybody, be watching. I'm like, do these people go to our school? <laughs> yeah, I just like cool. couldn't tell who they were. It's just it's a good. completely They've different persona. They've disappeared into their characters yeah. then. Yeah. That's what we want. Speaking of the play or musical, what's coming up? What are you working on right now? Yeah, we're um, working on Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, I love that Which, story. yeah, is the story of Joseph from the Bible, but with some, you know additions of music interpretation yes yeah. yes there might be elvis involved oh, so wow. spiritual dancing <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> um so that's super fun we're in the middle of that right now and then we jump right into one act season this winter excellent yeah. oh so cool in seminary one of one of the most meaningful classes i took was a, it was kind of like an acting class it was actually mm -hmm. a hebrew course but we acted out stories from the hebrew bible and that changes the way you think about mm -hmm. the scriptures because you have to make decisions that you might not even be aware of until you act it out. Yeah. Think, even things yeah. like tone of voice. Mm -hmm. When you read a line, I, I got to even play the part of God once in the, <laughs> the Genesis. Yeah. The Genesis 22. No yeah, right. It's like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. And it starts with he in Genesis 22, he says, Abraham, and he's asking Abraham to, to go to the mountain of Moriah and sacrifice his son. And I never thought before, like, how does God say that line? I yeah. think, I think like all how my How does theology, God say that line? Right, yeah. That, <laughs> I tried it probably 20 different ways. And every time I was like, I don't know. Like, is it, and all of a sudden it's, it's like, because underneath that question is who is God, mm. right? How God says this line is a little window into my understanding of who God is, his yeah. character, yeah. his heart. Yeah, it's not God, but we've been talking about that with Joseph because yeah. the play kind of sets him up. Well, you can play it different ways, but was Joseph just really socially unaware? Right, right with, with the dreams. With the coats and the, the coat and the dreams, like, you're all going to bow down to me. What a <laughs> weird dream. Or or was he seriously just like, this was a really cool dream I had. Like, celebrate with me because yes. this might be coming true. Like. That's totally different interpretations, and we're, yes. we're trying to pick which one to go with right now. Like, mm. was he kind of a jerk, or was he... I, I don't know. And that's what's so fun about, not to go off on a Bible tangent as a Bible teacher, <laughs> but that's what's so fun about much of the Hebrew Bible. It almost seems like the characters almost seem one-dimensional, where if it was a modern novel, you'd have like 10 pages of right. <laughs> what's happening in the character's head. But there's an invitation involved in that, that like you, the reader, has to participate for this thing to come to life. Hmm. You have to think about, so what is his motive? What Because it's not... It's not often given to you, so you have to show up. It's, you know, so often in, in the modern world, like, it's it's easily accessible. Sometimes the scriptures say, no, you, you want to understand this. Like, you've got to come here. You've mm -hmm. got to put yourself into this 
story. And I, yeah. I love that. And with theater, you get to experience that mm-hmm. in a pretty powerful way. I think. Yeah. And super fun. I got to go to Israel this summer. We won't yeah. get into this because that would be a whole tangent. But we went to some locations that are possible locations for like the Joseph story and all those wow. things. And it was so fun to just have that in the back of my mind. Like, oh yeah, <gasps> wow, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. at a cistern. He gets thrown in a cistern. <laughs> like I'm thinking through all these things and that was really neat. So that cool. Awesome. Love that. Okay. Cam's got a question that he okay. loves. Okay. This is my favorite question. I honestly go through the whole podcast just to ask this. <laughs> oh, good. So this is what everything has been building up to. <laughs> oh, no. If you could go back and tell your high school self one thing, what would you say to yourself? That's a good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> You're giving each other thumbs downs right now (laughs) Now for all of you that can't see. (laughs) Okay. Actually, though, let's see. Um, Okay. Do we all know what the term FOMO means? No. Do you want to know what it means? Oh, he knows. I do. Fear of missing out. It's a real thing. Um, And I think that if I could go back to high school, I would tell myself that um, FOMO will kill your high school experience mm. because, mm. I mean, I, I loved high school. It was great, but there were so many, I would get so paranoid. I don't know why. Like I'd be home on a Friday or Saturday night and be like, are my friends hanging out? Oh yeah. What's going on? Mm. Did they not text me? Do I, what if I miss something? And mm-hmm. some of it was a jealousy thing. Like, are they hanging out without me? But a lot of it was just, what if I miss something? Hmm. And now, I mean, but honestly, what was I scared of? Like that, that we, were, we weren't, we weren't going to be friends anymore yeah. because I missed one thing. I, and I look back too, and I'm just like, I missed, I was never home senior year. And that happens sometimes because you get mm-hmm. busy and whatnot. But <laughs> we had chores to do on Saturdays at home. That was always yeah. the rule. And so many times I would get back Saturday night at the end of the weekend after being with friends and it being great at like 10 o'clock at night, and my mom had a rule that the chores had to be done on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do them on Sunday. So I remember just like being so crabby with her that I had to do this late Saturday night. And it's because I felt this pressure to always be out with friends. Mm. And even I didn't I didn't always want even want to be out with friends. Yeah. But if you're not like, there, you're but if missing. I'm not there, I'm gonna miss it. Yeah. Right. That was my fear. And maybe maybe it's just being older and you're not, I don't know, but I love nights at home now. (laughs) And maybe that's just that I've changed over time and that's good. But a night at home can be so rejuvenating and good. And we all need that sometimes, that balance. Mm -hmm. And I was not good at that in high school. How do you think social media plays into that now for many of oh. our students? Because you, you can actually see, oh, my friends are hanging <laughs> yeah. out. It's got to be way worse now. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, okay, I got a phone junior year of high school. So, <laughs> and it wasn't a smartphone. I didn't get a smartphone until midway through college. But it was hard even at that point with the FOMO stuff. Like, are they mm-hmm. hanging out? Am I missing something? But I imagine it's got to be way worse now that you – friends are posting things on their snap stories and what or instagram stories i don't know all these things but to know that people actually are hanging out without you and having fun yeah. that's got to be awful be at home and, like, i can't scroll and see oh this is yeah, happening this is happening so I'm awful. There. yeah and i just invite myself to stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then 
show up. Like, I show hey, up. Even snap a I'm, pic, put it yeah. on Instagram. And then I leave just so people know. Yeah, <laughs> so I was you're there. At everything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything, but I was there and I, I took there. a picture. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I I think that's great to hear because a lot of times, like, as high schoolers, we're like, I have to make the most of every day. I have to be doing everything. I have to be at everything so I don't waste a single second. But mm-hmm. as you said, like, it's okay to have that time just by yourself at home. And yeah, you might miss, you know, hanging out with friends one night or not get invited or something, but you'll still see them the next day. And yeah, I just don't know what I was so scared of being friends. Right. And saying no to something is saying yes to something else. Absolutely. And I didn't understand that in high school at all. And I think honestly, I don't think I understood it much in college either. Actually, my husband, Dave, is the one who's been actually teaching me a lot of this stuff because he is so good at balance and balancing his life. And I am so much more like, I have to do all the things and say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And if I have that half hour free in the evening, I'm going to say yes to do that thing. Um, which just isn't healthy, and I don't have to say yes to everything. And he's been teaching me to be better at that. Hmm. I've started even, like, I used to always make phone calls when I walked my dog, like calling mm-hmm. my parents in Colorado or whatever, calling my sisters. And I started, I've, I've stopped doing that, or I've tried to stop, because that's a really nice little space in the day yeah. to be outside and interact with my neighbors and be doing something other than, something that hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote productive. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of contrasting that in my mind with your days at the monastery, right? Yeah. I mean, you're learning to, mm. to not be productive, to not be producing something mm-hmm. or making something happen. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and almost this sanctuary space comes out of that, right? Like communion yeah. with the living God in the quiet and in mm-hmm. the still, Sabbath. Yeah. I'll put a little plug here because it's related. For Winterham this year, yeah. Meredith Riddle and I, are co-teaching a class and it's called building margin in your life. Building margin in your life. So this is saying from my mom. She's a very wise lady. And she would always tell me, you need to build more margin in your life. So if you think Mm. of a piece of paper, right, you have all this stuff in the middle. Oh, I love this. You need more margin on the sides um, of just space. And so our whole winter room is going to be about, you know, how do we build that space in Mm. for appreciating beauty and being in awe of the world and doing those things that are life-giving. And some of it will be mindfulness and silence and some of it will be very loud, joyful things. Mm-hmm. And that's great too, but that I'm really awesome. excited. I want to take it actually. Yeah. <laughs> sounds really cool. You mentioned before teaching students how to be wise stewards with technology. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that. How, how, what do you hope or what do you kind of think of as, as a constructive or positive use of technology? Yeah. Um, well, I'll just say first off that I struggle with this already. I actually told the whole staff this a few weeks That's ago. That's actually kind of why I was thinking of it because <laughs> um, you mentioned it in the staff meeting. Yes. So I've, I've already found myself really struggling with being um, – on my phone and my computer just too much. Um, Like when I'm home cooking, I could be, again, it's like the walking the dog thing and having, like saying, I'm not going to use my phone. But when I make dinner, I always have a show going on my computer. Mm. And so usually that's nice because it's like a nice story I can get invested in and I enjoy it. But it's just so much noise all the time. And before I go to bed, I don't want the last thing I do 
to be scrolling through Instagram. Yeah. And it's hard because I use my phone as my alarm, but I've been trying to set clear boundaries. And I think that's so general. But some ones that I've been trying to do are the the walking thing, not being on my phone when I'm walking, um, not being on my phone in the hallways at school here so that I can just fully engage with everybody around me for those five minutes. It's five minutes. Like, why is that such a problem? I don't need to be on my phone right now. Yeah, and and I'm never checking anything important is the thing. It's It's actually, and I mean, I've read the stats on this, but it is an addiction and it feeds your brain the same way a drug would or whatever you're addicted to. And I, I can see that. (laughs) And I, if I'm struggling with that as a, you know, 20 something, I can only imagine it's way harder as a high schooler to try to navigate that. So yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know if I have great advice, but just know I'm working on it too. And I'm trying to not pull my phone out of my pocket every second of the day and trying to, I've tried to, you know, not answer any emails after 8 PM and try to not, you know, set my alarm around 8 PM for the next day so that I don't have to look at my phone right before I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really hard. Hmm. Yeah. Same. Man, I feel like we could have a whole conversation (laughs) on just that topic it's really, it's a way to be in more places at the same time. I mean, I think about it's a way to divide ourselves and our attention to be, to increase, you know, our productivity or our presence. But I love, maybe this is a poor interpretation of the Shema, but I love when God says, you know, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And it's, you know, that's, I think it's also a a nod at monotheism, right? But, but also, I just see God as attentive, as one. Mm. I'm not divided. And then he asks in return, love me with all your heart, all your yeah. soul, all your strength, not, not a part. Don't divide yourself in your attention toward me. And man, that's something that is a struggle with technology for sure. It's mm-hmm. so easy mm-hmm. to be two or three or four. <laughs> and yep. God says, just be one. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't text you back. Yeah, Kim has a long history of I'll text him a question for the podcast. I'm just really against being on my phone too much. And like by the time time I've read through your text, I've already been on there too long. I can't respond. (laughs) Well, I respect that then, Cam. I'm not going (laughs) to text you anymore. Well, okay. Miss Nuzma, I appreciate you. You do an awesome job and you are a presence in this place that influences uh, students. So thank you. Thank you. I love being here. So it's a fun place to work. It is. It really is. I will say I've had a lot of great school experiences with moving so much, but, and there's something wonderful about everyone I've gone to, but my years at Holland Christian were really impactful. So I will say that. Well, but. go Maroons. <laughs> hey, go Maroons. That's Cam's sign off. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>